Aleluya. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Man, this is exciting. And I'm going to make some references to what's been happening this morning because it's like the Lord orchestrates certain things, it seems, to bring confirmation to His Word. We are busy with our series, Back to Basics, where we are looking at certain practices um, and principles of the basic Christian life, of the basic life of a disciple. <clears throat> we started last week looking at the whole matter of discipleship, and we learned that being a disciple is a lifelong process of growing to become more and more like Jesus. He's, he's the master, we are the disciples, and our desire is to become more and more like him. If you are a Christian or call yourself a Christian, but you're not desiring to become more and more like Jesus, something is not connecting over there. Because Jesus said, go and make disciples. Amen? And those disciples later on um, started to be called Christians by the people that saw them because they were looking like Jesus. They behaved like Jesus. And so the people around said, hey, they are Christianos, you know, like Christ. And that's where the word Christian comes from, like Christ. Uh, but if we call ourselves Christ, but you're not endeavoring to align our lives with what Christ wants, then we should uh, reassess again. And so discipleship is the process of bringing people to Christ and growing them into what they are to become as Christians. And we are all called to be disciples and to make disciples. And last week we looked at a few uh, ways we can do that. And if you missed that, you can go to awakenlife.co.za and listen to last week's message and kind of catch up. If you miss any of these messages in the series, please go there and catch up. So a disciple is a student, an apprentice, seeking to become like his master. And being a disciple is having a relationship with Jesus, not being religious. Amen? Last week, I made reference to examples of religious behavior in the Portuguese and Afrikaans uh, culture. But you know what? I could have gone and mentioned nation after nation and culture after culture. Because all nations, there is a religious spirit in all nations and cultures. Seeking to distract people from becoming like Jesus and having a relationship with God. And whether it is a, a, a Christian nation or a Christianized nation or not, there are religious spirits operating everywhere. And that's why Jesus said, go to the nations and make disciples of all the nations because all the nations are fallen and need salvation in Jesus. Amen. So we need to make disciples of every nation. And it's such a joy and a freedom to know that you have a relationship with God, with Christ, and that you are a child of God. Religion wants to make salvation a human effort. You do something to be saved, something we earn through our own efforts. But we cannot save ourselves. Salvation is simply two things, believe and confess. That Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. It's Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And yet, as simple as it is, some Christians still miss the part of Jesus being Lord. Not just Savior, but Lord. Salvation does not give you the freedom to do as you please in life, but gives you the freedom 
to have a relationship with God and live your life to the full potential which God created you to live in. Without Christ, you never achieve your full potential. You might think so. You might achieve some worldly things, but you never become the person that God intended you to be because he is your creator. And a disciple understands the difference between a creator and a created being. I am a created being. God is the creator. It's a few degrees more powerful than I am, right? And I'm not going to argue with him. I'm not going to fight with him. I'm going to honor him. I'm going to obey him. I'm going to love him. And if you believe that this creator loves you abundantly beyond your understanding and this creator wants the best for you, why wouldn't you submit yourself to him? Why wouldn't you trust him? So here is the test of a disciple. Here's a discipleship test. Will you obey God, this creator who loves you so much? Are you willing to obey him even when you don't like or don't agree with what he's asking you to do? Think about it. <laughs> okay. All right. Imagine that God came to me and said, you know, Valdir, you know, imagine he came to me, you know, some years back when I was single. And said, Valdir, Brazilians can't get married. I'd be in a pickle, I'm telling you. Because I'm Brazilian, okay? I'm South American. I'm Latino. I'm Latin. All right? Now, you come to a Latin, you say, you can't get married, man. So here's the question. If Jesus had come and told me that the Brazilians can't get married, would I still be a disciple of Jesus? Would I still follow him? Or would I say, God, keep your ideas to yourself. I'm going to live my life. And then we'll deal with eternity when it comes. I would be a fool to do that. Because my life on this earth is a speck compared to eternity. And if God required something from me in this life, which to me would be a sacrifice, I would rather do that, that little speck of sacrifice, because I know in eternity there is something so much better for me. And we have to understand this. Jesus, he loves us just like we are. Say with me, Jesus loves me just like I am. Say it. Jesus. Now say, Jesus loves me too much. To leave me as I am. He loves me too much to leave me as I am. And he's been dealing with me. He's still dealing with me. I'm not finished yet. If I live to be 150, I still won't be finished. Because what I say, discipleship is a lifelong process. When we see him face to face, the Bible says then, as he is, we shall, well, we shall see him, we shall be as he is when we see him face to face. But in this life, we don't, we're in a journey, man. You know? And so we have to understand this whole question of discipleship. And that is the ultimate discipleship Maybe God asks you to do something which doesn't make sense. But if you obey, you will see eventually, even in this life, you will see the wisdom of that. Okay, let's get back, get back to today's message. The matter of why church. Far too many people today, far too many 
Christians today, they believe that um, attending church has become an option instead of a norm. Many of them find all sorts of excuses not to attend church. Things like, and, and I've heard so many of these, you don't need to attend church to be a good Christian. Why should you? Just believe in God and read your Bible and pray before you eat and you're going to be okay. <laughs> you know? Others say, we give our family priority when we miss church to do sports on Sunday. It's time for my family. Some say, hmm, my church really doesn't meet my needs. Others say, I'm not getting fed at church. Others say, Sunday is really the only day I have to rest or to be with my family or to have a day off. Others say, my church is so full of hypocrites. Have you ever heard that one? These churches, you know, and these pastors just want your money. And then there are some Christian groups claiming you should not go to church at all. They said this whole matter of going to buildings, having pastors and meetings, and this is, this is not right. It's not biblical, and you should just get home with your family, a couple of friends, and do a Bible study. And, Don't go to church. It's from the devil. There are people saying that out there in the world today. It's such a confusion. But I tell you what, when a baby is born, or when somebody in the family dies, or when they want to get married, then they need a church, and they need a pastor. And they come running. But I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Can you see the, the disconnect over there? And, and I've, I've encountered this over my many years of, of ministry. And it's something which all of us pastors, we had to deal with this on a continuous basis. So, let's talk a little bit about church then. Should you still go to church in these modern times when I can lie in bed on my pajamas on a Sunday morning and enjoy a wonderful teaching on social media? Why come to church? I can lie at home and, and listen to a better preacher than Valdir. <laughs> and have a great time while having my coffee in my pajamas. Instead of getting dressed and coming to sit with you guys. Well, let's get back to the source. What did Jesus say about the church? Well, let's go there. Matthew 16, 18. Matthew 16, 18, it says, Jesus said, I will, I will build my church and the gates of Hades or hell shall not prevail against it. Listen, the devil can't stop the church. That's why the church still exists today. <laughs> In fact, it was, it was Henry Ford who years ago said, you know, to me, the proof that there is a God is that the Christian church still exists. <laughs> Because there have been so many problems, so many fights, so many splits, so, many, so much confusion in the Christian church, but it's still around. Why? Because it's not your church, it's not my church, it is his church. And in spite of the mistakes we make, in spite of the stupid things which pastors and Christians do, it is his church and the gates of hell shall not stop it. The church belongs to this. In fact, you know, have you, have you heard this one where people, people tell me, and they talk to other people, they say, you know what, pastor? I love Jesus. My problem is with the church. I love Jesus, but ish, I can't stand the church. Well, in, in Ephesians 5, in Revelation 21, 22, and other parts of the Bible, uh, the church is referred to as the bride of Christ. Ephesians says that Jesus gave up his life for his church, his bride, because he loves her. 
Now, now guess what? If you count me and say, Valdir, you're such a cool guy. You're such a nice guy. Man, I want to have a friendship with you. I want us to spend time together. Let's go camping together. Let's go fishing together. Man, I like you so much. I want to hang out with you. But Valdir, I, I don't like your wife very much. So please don't bring her along. Guess what you've just done? <laughs> you've just ruined the friendship. Because my, I love my wife. You might not like her, but I love her. And we are one. And where I go, she goes. <clears throat> are you getting the message? So when you sit around and you criticize the church, you're criticizing a body of people which Jesus loves. And he calls his bride. Oops. And then tonight, you want to go and pray to Jesus and ask him for stuff? When during the day you've been criticizing his bride? No, 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 no. Furthermore, we're going to find out just now that you actually are the church. And when you criticize the church, you're criticizing yourself. Because if you are a Christian, you are part of the church, whether you like it or not. You know, it's getting quiet in this church. <laughs> All right. So don't treat the church lightly. It is his. It is his bride. So you don't go to church. Let's go to the next slide. I what I want to discuss this morning is this. You don't go to church. You know, people will tell me, oh, I go to this church. And then I happen to know the church, and I know that it's a large church, and it's got a number of pastors because there are many congregations. Oh, that's wonderful. So do, do you know the lead pastor, pastor saying so? Well, I've seen him preaching, but I've never greeted him. Oh, okay, but then who's your area pastor in your area? Oh, oh, I, 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 I don't know. Um, and do you belong to some, do you do something in the church? No, 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 no. When last did you go to your church? Oh, I think it was... I don't know, Easter or Christmas or something like that. So they go to church. Like, you go to Biscope, you go to see a show, you know, when it's convenient and you've got the time when you can do it. But you're not supposed to go to church because you are the church. And you should be planted in the church. All right? So, let's take a look, in, look at the meaning of the word church. What does church mean? In your Bibles, you read church, Afrikaans, Kerk, Portuguese, Igreja, and so on and so on, in all the other languages. The word used in the New Testament is the word ecclesia. It means the called out ones or an assembly of people. When you call people out together, that's ecclesia. Every time you see the word church in the New Testament or the word assembly in the New Testament, it is the word ecclesia. It is used 115 times in 112 verses in the New Testament. The English, uh, the word church, comes from an old English word, kirk or kirka, which is actually related to the Dutch, which actually has a link to to Greek, kuriokos, which means belonging to the Lord. So the word church in English means belonging to the Lord. And it can refer to people or to things. So a building where people meet as a church could be called a church, belonging, a building belonging to the Lord. Uh, 
But the New Testament emphasis and the whole biblical um, understanding of the word church is this. Ecclesia, a group of people gathered together. So you know what? You may call this building a church, but it's really this building is the building where the church gathers. When we go home just now and this place is empty, it's not a church anymore. It's just a building. When you are here, the church is here because the people are gathered over here. So church, the meaning of church is not buildings, but it's people who gather in those buildings or anywhere else. If a couple of us sit in a coffee shop and we have a little bit of Bible study, we talk about things of God, we pray, we're having church. If we meet at home and over dinner and we break bread and we, we talk about things of God, we're having church. So don't put church in a box or in a building or in a little compartment. Church is relational. It is people doing life together. Amen. That is church. Now, unfortunately, some people can't help. They, They live alone. They may be homebound, they may you know, live in a long distance away or work in a job where they are alone or be in a place where there's no Christians or no Christian church. You know, the thief on the cross, he could never become part of the church because he kind of got born again and died, <laughs> you know. But most of us are able to belong to a group of people, to gather together with people and call ourselves the church. So we really should become part of God's church. In Hebrews 2, verses 11 and 12, check this out. It says, both the one who makes people holy. Who makes people holy? Jesus. He died for you, amen, to make you holy. So both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy. So both Jesus who makes us holy and you and I who are made holy are of the same what? Family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. That's why we say that church is family. Jesus is our older brother. And he calls us family. God the Father is our father. And if God is first a father, then the church is first a family. And we are brothers and sisters. And then he says, this is about Jesus now. He says, Jesus says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters. In the assembly, I will sing your praises. There is something that happens when we get together that does not happen when we are alone. There is time for us to be alone with God. There is time to be alone with God. We all need our quiet time, our personal time with God. That's very important. But we also need the time assembled together. Where we come together, we worship together, we study together, we, we share, we are, we are in fellowship. We are not alone. And when that happens, amazing things happen. It says, I will declare my name to my brothers and sisters. There are certain revelations of the word of God which happen only when we are together and when we are worshiping God as a group of people. Look at that. Jesus also sings. Jesus worships and praises as well. Can you believe it? Through the Holy Spirit, he worships with us. 
And I don't think it's just Jesus. I think sometimes it's a whole bunch of angels with. It's happened more than once in the life of this church where I've been yeah, in, in, in leading worship and I become aware of a fullness of sound which does not come from our equipment nor the singers on stage. And sometimes my fellow singers have felt it. Sometimes people in the congregation have felt the same thing. As if it's something over and above us. is together with us worshiping God. There is a sense of his presence. I've seen in times of worship here, even people who are not very spiritually sensitive. But as you're worshiping God, they feel something. They sense something. They understand something which they did not understand before. Why is that? It's because there is a presence. Jesus is our brother. God is, the, uh, is our father. We are a family. Church is family. And there is something that happens. Psalm 22.3 says that God inhabits. He makes a throne out of the praises of his people. It is okay to worship God alone. And there is time for that. There are times that on my own and nobody's looking. I put the music on and I sing and I do my thing and I have a great time with God. But there is something that happens when we as a gathered church, bigger or smaller group, doesn't matter. When we come together as a body and we worship God, we create a throne of praise for God's presence to inhabit. And that is why there are some things that only happen when we come together. Therefore, we should never miss church. We should always be present. Because there are things that are only going to happen here. And if you get the tape only or listen to the message, you're still going to miss it. Because you're going to be here to experience it. We are supposed to be gathered together. Amen. Let's check out Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22. It says, and he, in other words, the Father, and he put all things under his feet, under the feet of Jesus, and gave him, Jesus, to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Check this out. The church is the body of Jesus on earth. He is the head. And we are linked to Jesus. We are his body. Did you see that? The church is the manifestation of Jesus on earth. He went to heaven and he died for his church. He started his church. He's the head of the church. And you and I are the carriers of the presence of God on this earth. Man, what a privilege. We get to be the carriers of the presence of God through the Holy Spirit because you are linked to the head, Jesus. And this thing is called church. With all its imperfections, with all the crazy things that happens, we, if we put our focus on Jesus and on who we are, we get to do amazing things in this planet because we are connected to Jesus. Uh, amen. Exciting message, eh? <laughs> Listen, we have to understand these things. We have to stop and understand these things. There is the universal church and there is the local church. You see? When it talks about the church, the universal church means all our brothers and sisters across the world. There are billions of us all over the world, all nations, all countries. It's a bit difficult for all of us to come together on Sunday in one place and sing hallelujah. And so God puts us in local churches, local congregations, local expressions of God, of Jesus, of his love, of his care. You see? 
And that is what church is. In other words, you are the church. You don't go to church. The Bible says that you and I are connected to Jesus. We are the body of Jesus. We are the church. So next time you criticize the church, stop because you're criticizing yourself. If you don't like the church, start by changing it, by changing yourself. And help your brothers and sisters because you're going to see that's why the church exists. We exist to help one another, to sharpen one another, to, yeah, yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> okay. First Corinthians chapter 1. To the church of God which is in Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Listen, the church is a gathering of saints. Saints are saved ones in a set locality. He's talking to the church in Corinth. And he calls those believers, those Christians, he calls them saints. There is a thing in our mind. Oh, a saint is a very good Christian that lived 200 years ago and now we think is, is holy. No, no, no. A saint is every Christian, every person born again, saved by Jesus Christ, whether he's alive or dead, you're a saint. And I'm looking at saints. And you're thinking, oh, pastor, if you only knew what I did last week, you're not going to call me a saint. But that's the beauty of what Jesus has done for us. I'm not a saint because I never make mistakes. I am a saint because <laughs> I believe in Jesus. And Jesus has made me righteous before God the Father. But you remember what I said just now? God loves me just as I am. But he loves me too much to leave me just as I am. So guess what? He's still working with me. And one of the ways he's working and molding me is by putting me together with you and you with me. People say, man, I go to that church, but those people irritate me. When I was at the seaside now, this last two weeks ago, I would walk along the beach and I'd find these little pebbles, nice and smooth pebbles. And I would pick them up and some of them would be rocks, some of them would be bricks, some of them would be pieces of, of concrete which had, you know, fallen into the sea. But when you pick them up, they are nice and smooth. You know how they got that way? When, when, they, were, when they got into the sea, they were rough and full of edges and all sorts of stuff. And they all got together in the sea. And the waves took them here and took them there and did this and, and they rubbed against each other and they hurt each other and they pricked each other and, and eventually they began to smooth each other out. And by the time I get to the beach, they're all nice and smooth. And so God puts us with people that have sharp edges, just like us, just like you. And now we sit together, you're hurting me, now you're hurting me. Hey, and so that's when people pick out the bags and they run away. I want nothing to do with the church. That's exactly God's plan. To put you some difficult people, to help you, to train you, to shape you. How can you learn about forgiveness if we never have to forgive anybody? How can you learn about long suffering if you never get to suffer? <laughs> How can you learn about patience if you never have to exercise patience? Look at the fruit of the Spirit. All nine little fruit over there. They all need the interaction with people, usually some difficult people, people different to you, people that are going to give you a bit of a hard time. The Bible says that iron sharpens iron. When iron sharpens iron, sparks fly. Have you noticed? <laughs> but then it gets sharp. 
And God is sharpening us. Sometimes sparks fly. But if we stay in the process, if we understand, man, this is church. It's happening. We're interacting. We are a community. We're doing things. We're being changed. We stay in the process. And you begin to realize that, man, I'm getting all smooth. This is so cool. And then just as you're nice and smooth, God chucks a couple of other spiky rocks in between again and you start all over again. Because discipleship is a process, a lifelong process. Hello? Where we are constantly learning and growing and helping one another and making disciples. Hallelujah. Hmm. <laughs> as an assembly and as individuals, we are also a temple. 1 Corinthians 3, 16. 1 Corinthians 3, 16. It says, do you not know that you are the temple of God and the spirit of God dwells in you? If you go to that chapter 3 and you read the context, you see that he's talking to the church in Corinth. It's the group, the church. And so he's saying, don't you know that you are the temple of God? You see, as a congregation, as a Wake and Life church, as, as Capital Park Christian Church and all the other churches in Capital Park and, and throughout Pretoria, every single local church is a temple of God. We are here to worship God, to receive him, to, 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 to talk about him and to share him with the communities, wherever you are, wherever you work. Most churches, people come from all over the place, not from one suburb only. And then we get together and we worship and we learn and then we go back to our places of work and schools and homes and so on. And we take that presence of Christ with us. We talk to people, we share the gospel. Maybe we invite them to come to church with us on Sunday. And it, we are a temple of God. But then in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, he says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? So not only are we collectively a temple, but each one of us individually, we are a temple. You are an individual temple, and the Holy Spirit dwells in you. Don't you know that? If you've given your life to Christ, your body is a temple, and that is one of the reasons why God is changing us. You know when you buy a new home, you walk in, and it's nice, but usually when you buy, especially the house has been lived in before, you move in, and you have to clean, you have to redo some things, the coat of paint, you need to change it to suit you. Well, the Holy Spirit is going to live in you. And if, you've, if you had other tenants before, he needs to do some remodeling. That's why sometimes it's painful, you know, he starts coming and changing. I can't do this. It's not you can't do this. You are aligning your life now to him because you are his temple. And he wants to change you and make you something beautiful. He wants you to be a vessel that carries his presence. Wow. You get to be a vessel that carries his presence. In the Old Testament, his presence was in the temple in Jerusalem, in the Holy of Holies. But in the New Testament, after the death of Jesus, after the Holy Spirit came, God's presence doesn't dwell in a building anymore, but dwells in people, in our lives, in our bodies, in our hearts, as individuals. And when we come together, he inhabits here in the church. Wow. We get to be carriers of his presence. Amen. 
And so we need to take our participation in church very seriously. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. And we realize here yeah, that this whole matter of people saying, oh, I don't have to go to church, is nothing new. It was happening in the first century already. Check here, he says, and let us consider one another in order to stir, stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching, the day of the return of the Lord approaching. See, it is not new. Back then, the only people that was, they were forsaking, they were ignoring you know, the matter of gathering together. They were believers. They love drinking together. Remember what I said last week? In terms of teaching, it's often repeating what you already know because we tend to neglect what we know. And this is one of them. We kind of start off very well and then life happens and you've got to do this, that, and eventually your church attendance begins to go to the back burner. And the word of God says, uh-uh, that must be your priority. Let us consider one another in order to stir up loving good works. We gather together to stir one another up, to challenge one another, to provoke one another to do good works and to love more. And if I stay away from church, I begin to lose that motivation. I begin to lose that stirring up. I, be I begin to call off. It's like when I'm doing a braai and I take one of the coals and I put it away from the others. Those that are together, it keeps on burning, and they can give me a nice braai. That one on the side quickly dies away. And that's what happens when we start neglecting fellowship and the assembling of ourselves together, the gathering of ourselves uh, together. Amen. When we make church attendance, the thing is some people neglect church because they see it as something I have to do. I have to go to church. You see, for some people, going to church is, is doing something to earn the favor of God. So I, I need something. I need a blessing. Man, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to go, go to church because I want God to bless me. They want to earn something from God, earn points, earn God's favor by, by going to church. And if that's your motivation to go to church, then church is boring. It's something you do and you can't wait for the preacher to finish that you can go home and do whatever you want to do. That's the wrong motivation. But if you go to church because you love Jesus, because you want to worship him, you want to serve and be together with others and, 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 and encourage others and be encouraged by others, if you understand that you are the church, that you don't go to church, your motivation changes. You're doing something because you love the Lord, not because you want to get points from God. It's a different motivation altogether. And that's what the word of God is trying to, to get through to us. Church is not a destination to attend, but an identity to embrace. Church is not a place you go to. Church is your identity. It's who you are because you are a follower of Christ. It's not about whether I like the worship or not, whether I like the speaker or not. But it's about, am I coming to encourage others with my presence, with my praise? Maybe with a word of encouragement for somebody. Maybe I meet a new friend. Maybe I hear the voice of the Spirit in a song, in a prayer, in a message, in announcements. God speaks for announcements too. Do you know that? Hello? Many people have sat in these benches and God has spoken to them during the announcements to take action, to do certain things. God can speak to you. Anytime during the service, even during coffee. Hallelujah.
I am here because I am the church. And because this is my local church. The church I belong to. Each one of us needs a spiritual address. You can't do anything these days without proof of residence. People don't recognize you anymore. If you can't prove that you live somewhere, you're a nobody. Maybe you live in the streets. I don't want to do business with you. You need proof of address. Oh, guess what? You need spiritual proof of address too. You know how many people have come, rock around here during the week or on a Sunday, Pastor, I've got, I've got, a, I've got a word for you. I want to I talk to your church. I've got a message for you. It says, wonderful. What's your name, brother? Oh, my name is so-and-so. Wonderful. And, and which church are you from? No, Pastor, I don't go to any church. I, I'm, I'm, I just hear from God and I go where God wants me to go to. I say, but then keep on moving because God does not want you in this church. I want an address. Are you accountable to somebody? Does somebody know you? And then I've had people walk in, people I don't know. Brother, my name is so-and-so. I'm from pastor so-and-so's church, and I've got a message for, for you. I know the pastor. I know his church. I know the man's identity. I talk a little bit with him. I said, man, this guy's grounded. He's got a home. You see, I've got an address, and I, I, most of my meals and my resting time, I do in my home. But because I've got a home, I'm free to visit other people's homes. And sometimes I go to another home and have a meal there and I visit. But when I come to visit you, you're, you're glad to receive me because you know I'm coming to visit you, but then I'm going back to my home. If somebody comes to us and they don't live anywhere, you wonder, is he coming out to stay? But you know, I've got your authority to move around because I've got a place, I've got a home. And so I visit and I go. And when you have a spiritual home, you've got your authority to move about and do God's work anywhere. Because you have proof of residence. You're okay. I can trust you. Hello? <laughs> Timothy 3.15. Check this out. But if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is a church. So the church is called the house of God. This gathering, it's not a building, it's this gathering is called the house of God. And there's a, a certain way in which you conduct ourselves in the house of God. We are accountable. We learn, we grow, we belong. Now listen, God's highest calling for you was never to go to church, but to be the church, to be planted in the church, to be planted in the house of God, a light shining into a dark world. And when I say planted in the house of God, I'm not talking about the universal church. The minute you become a believer, you are part of the universal church. But now you've got to be planted. We're in a local church. And from that local church, you can move around anywhere in the world, man. And God can move you from local church to another local church because he is the chief shepherd. And God may place me out for a season and then over there for another season. And if it, I am his. But I might, at any given point in time, I must know this is where I'm planted. This is where I belong. This is what I serve. And from here, I do whatever it is that God wants me to do. Is this making sense, guys? Psalms 92, we're going to close with this. 
I'm going to get a few minutes of our time, but don't worry. Hallelujah, indeed. Psalm 92, verse 12. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. The righteous. We're going to see who the righteous are just now. But it says you'll flourish. It's an amazing word. You'll flourish. You'll grow. You'll prosper. You'll thrive. Like a palm tree. A palm tree was a, a symbol of victory. They used palms, you know, to, when, when the, the victorious people came from battle, when Jesus walked into the triumphal entry, they had palm trees. It's a symbol of victory. And uh, grow like a cedar in Lebanon. A cedar is a strong tree. It is sweet smelling. It is strong. It's long lasting. It's the kind of tree that Solomon used to build a temple because he knew the temple must last a long time. And so it must be strong. And so the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. They shall be victorious and they shall last long. Who are these guys? Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish. You see that? In the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in the old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. You see what happens when you're planted in the house of God? You flourish. Unfortunately, many people don't flourish. Instead of flourishing, they are spiritually dry. Instead of thriving, they are emotionally withering. Instead of connected, they are relationally barren. Instead of prospering, they are stressed. Instead of fulfilled, they are searching for something. That's because they might be attending a church, but they're not planted in the church. They might be going to church, but not planted in the church. You see, you are a seed. You are a seed. Your life is a seed. You've got potential to grow, to multiply, to thrive, to bear fruit. Or you've got the potential to be unfruitful, bear nothing, be unproductive and be barren. A seed can only grow if it is planted. If I take a seed and I visit my garden with it and I take it back, and I, that seed's never going to grow. It's going to be planted in one place. And there it will grow and thrive. People who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish. Going to church isn't the same as being planted. Going to church means, man, I go when I can, if I can. Let me flip a coin, look at my daddy, don't have anything more important to do. But planted, you know that's where you belong. You never say, do you think we should go to church today? When you're planted, you never say that. You know it's time to go to church. It's time to take my children to church. It's time to take my children to youth. This is my house. I'm planted over here. My children, my family, myself, my wife, my husband, whatever. We are all together. We are planted. We are thriving. We are growing because this is where we belong. God's church isn't part of our lives, people. It is our lives because that's who we are as a disciple. As a Christian, you are the church. And I hope you'll be able to, to see this this morning from the verses we've read so far. So, don't go to church. Be the church. Make sure that you are planted in the church. Obviously, there are genuine reasons why some people cannot attend church regularly. But there should still be a connection to the church. The believers should make sure the brother or sister stays connected somehow with the church as prayer, assistance, visits, or calls, and feels that they are still belonging to the faith community. And of course, not every church is for everyone. But there is a church, a local church, for everyone. So look for that one. 
Some people go to church, to one church, don't like it, they don't go to any other church ever again. No, listen, churches are different. There are different styles of worship and of preaching and, and so forth. Some people like the more laid back style like this. Some people like more, the more formal, the more like boring kind of preacher. No, no, I'm just joking, okay? But, <laughs> but there, are, there are tastes for everything. So I like more the formal way. That's okay. And there are churches for everyone. That's, especially if you live in Pretoria. Man, in Pretoria, you only go to hell if you want to because there's a church for every kind yeah. Big ones, small ones, medium ones, informal ones, formal ones, you name it. So the fact is, find a church and get planted in it. Now remember this, please. Remember this. Local churches are made up of imperfect people led by imperfect leaders who follow a perfect God who has a perfect plan to perfect our lives so that we reflect the love and glory of Jesus to the world. Amen? Amen? Now look at me. If you're looking for a perfect church, stop, because you're not going to find it. Clause number two. If you do find that perfect church, do me a favor and don't join it, because you're going to spoil it. <laughs> Amen? So, how about us prioritizing church attendance this year. Amen? God says we should attend church regularly. Will you obey God just because he says so? And if you have not become a, a member, yeah, yeah, and you come here regularly, you're not a member yet, well, consider joining formally, okay? And um, do not live without a spiritual address. Find a church that you can become a part of. Join, get planted, and let us be the church that God wants us to be. Amen? Is that good? Am I, am I, am I, somebody got something to share quickly? You got a verse or something? But go ahead. Good morning, church. In obedience, I have to come forward and share it with you. Is it possible to put that sign that says, welcome, please? Okay, the first slide, the welcome sign. The welcome sign. There you are. There's the welcome sign. It says, we are glad you are here. I looked at it this morning when I sat down. I saw the welcome sign. And I said, who's welcoming me? The pastor? The praise and worship team? The spirit of God hit me immediately. I, the father. Jesus. And the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit inside you are welcoming you. Immediately after, he gives me the word from the Bible that John 6, 44, that reads this, Jesus speaking himself. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me makes them want me to come. Just wanted to share this with you guys. Be blessed. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Now, did you hear the, the corporate gathering is called the church of God? And it's very true. You know, we put a welcome sound, but it's really God welcoming all of us. But how does God welcome you individually? How does God welcome maybe the visitor that comes to visit us today, maybe for the first time? How does God embrace that person? Who does he use? You. 
You see, so when you smile to somebody, when Dio says, greet the people, and you go and greet somebody, you give them a hug, you say welcome. You are an extension of God. You are being the arms of Jesus, the lips of Jesus, the feet of Jesus. And you're extending God's love. See, that's why you don't come to church. You are the church. And you're doing something here. People come to me and they come and visit and they write to me, oh, I enjoyed so much. I felt so welcome. And I didn't even deal with them. What happened? You were there as a church. You were dealing with these people, welcoming them, you know, serving them coffee, greeting them, smiling at them. And they felt so blessed. And they tell me, man, I felt I was in a, in a family. Because you, the church, us together, we are an extension of the body of Christ. And there are so many people out there who don't go to church, who don't know Jesus, who are not even saved. They've got these ideas, ah, church is boring, and, and church is just after your money. But let's change that perception. Let us realize who we are, and let's live our lives and do church every Sunday, every time we get together, as God wanted. And then we leave this place. Let's remember, we are still the church. And tomorrow, we are the church at work, we are the church at school, we are the church at university, we are the church at the gym, we are the church, wherever you are, you are carrying the presence of God, you are reflecting the love of Jesus. How's that? Let's stand up, let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for welcoming us this morning, Lord. Father, thank you for inhabiting our presence. Father, I thank you for the privilege that we get to be your church. We get to be your temple. You get to be here, your presence by the Holy Spirit and by the presence of, I don't know, the angels and so many other things taking place here. You are amongst us as we gather together. What a privilege, Lord. And now, Lord, as, as, as we go, as we go home, we go home as, as individual temples where the Holy Spirit inhabits. And, Lord, we say, come with us and continue changing us. We want to be your disciples. We want to allow the Creator to shape His creation to become more and more like Jesus. Help us to... Carry your presence with us to reflect your presence, your love to the world around us. Wherever we go, whatever we do this week, Lord, continue teaching us by your Holy Spirit so that we may truly be the church that you want us to be, both as individual temples and as a local body to the glory of your name. And so now by the love of God, the Father, the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit continue inhabiting these temples, our bodies, and this temple, this local church, as we bring glory to God until Jesus comes. Amen and amen. God bless you. Enjoy some fellowship and see you next week for the next exciting episode of Back to Basics. Amen. God bless you.